If I could give everyone a gift on this Sunday morning, it would be very simply a biblical world view. Because I am a firm believer that when I have a biblical world view, then I have a view that cannot be shaken. It cannot be shaken by pop culture. It cannot be shaken by current events. Because my glance, my view, my posture, my eyesight is not built upon the shifting sand of culture, but rather on the eternal word of God. I want to be very direct and forthright as I preach today. I want this for you. I want this for me. A biblical world view. Would you say biblical world view? The word Bible comes from a Greek word, biblos, which simply means book. It was the second century A.D. and Christians, Christ followers, were using the plural form of this Greek word, biblia, to describe the collection of holy scriptures that they possessed. It wasn't until 1250 A.D. that the Bible very similar to the one we hold in our lap or view on our phone today, was divided into chapters. It was not until 1551 that this Bible was further broken down into verses. 66 independent books making up the Biblia, the book. 1,189 chapters and just north of 31,000 verses in the book. There is something powerful about that book. And so I'm rising in this pulpit on this Sunday morning in February 2023 to declare emphatically, we need the Word of God. I need the Word of God. My family needs the Word of God. We need God's Word. When I was a teenager, I was involved in Bible quizzing for a couple of years. One of the books of the Bible that we studied was the book of Acts. And we had, but this was way before nice, snazzy branding. But we had a little phrase for our Bible quiz team, and we had it put on the back of a T-shirt for all the Bible quizzers. And it just had a picture of a Bible. And underneath it said, Acts, A-C-T-S, me about it. Did you catch that? I was styling and profiling. I thought I was one cool cat. But I had a secret desire that never came to pass in those two years that I was a Bible quizzer. I wanted to quiz on the Gospel of John. I really did. You say, well, Pastor, why would you want to quiz and memorize the Gospel of John? And I have to confess this before God and this company today. I wanted to quiz on John because in John is the shortest verse in the Bible. I wanted that quiz master to say, question number seven is worth ten points. Question. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Bing, read one. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. That is correct. Everybody say, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. 
That's the shortest book or verse, rather, in the Bible. Do any of you know what the longest verse in the Bible is? Now, some of you are going right now through the index of your mind trying to think, have I ever read the longest verse in the Bible? John 11 and 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible. Esther chapter 8 and verse 9 is the longest verse in the Bible. So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all to every province in its own script to every people in the their own language and to the Jews in their own script and language <gasps> and knowing my luck I would have got that verse in Bible quizzing but whether it is two words long or a book long there is something powerful about that Bible there is something powerful about the scriptures and what they mean to us and what they are readying us for there is something about that book praise God you see this Bible was penned by over 40 individual authors on three different continents it was written on Africa and Asia and Europe over a span of 1500 years it had many different a plethora of different authors Moses who was educated in the universities of Egypt and Peter who was a fisherman Amos and David who were herdsmen and Joshua who was a military general Luke wrote scripture he was a doctor and Solomon wrote and he was a king and Matthew was a tax collector and he he, he wrote scripture and Paul the apostle was a Jewish rabbi they not only were different in their person Personality. They were different everywhere that they wrote. Moses wrote while he was in the wilderness. And Jeremiah wrote while he was in a dungeon. And Daniel wrote on a hillside and in a palace. Paul wrote from a prison shackled. Luke wrote while he was traveling. And John wrote while he was exiled from everything familiar on an island called Patmos. It was David who wrote during military campaigns. I want to say it again. It doesn't matter how many authors it was or where they wrote it from when God put this Bible together it was more than just a historical book it is the power of God there is something about that book there is something about the Bible this Bible helps me know how to think this Bible helps me to know how to react. This Bible helps me to know how to improve. This Bible teaches me how to come to God. And this Bible teaches me how to come back to God. This Bible teaches me how to walk, how to talk, and how to lead. I am here to declare anything that points me back to this book. I thank God for it. Anything that directs me back to God's word, I thank God for it. Now, I'm not the only one that declares the importance of God's word or you declaring the importance of God's word. It was George Washington, the first president of our country that said it is impossible to righteously govern the world without God and the Bible. Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of our country, said, I believe that the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through 
the book. Daniel Webster, a legislator, said if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we in our posterity neglect its instructions and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. I love what Andrew Jackson, the U.S. president, said. That book, sir, is the rock on which our republic stands. So may I borrow a few words from Andrew Jackson. That book, sir, is the rock upon which this church stands. That book, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason why we are together today. That book, my friend, is solid and secure, and it never fails. Praise God. Praise God. It was the great communicator, Ronald Reagan, that said, indeed, it is an indisputable fact that all the horrendous questions confronting us at home and worldwide have their answer in that single book. If you don't take my word for it, take a president's word for it. There is something about that book. There is something about the word of God. I need God's word. I need that Bible. We need God's word. We need that Bible. Here's what I love about that book. It doesn't matter how we walk in the presence of God. The message in the book is the same for every single person. It doesn't matter if we walked in here with a million or two million dollars in our bank account or we don't have a couple nickels to rub together. The message of that book is the same for every person, man, woman, boy, girl, stranger to the gospel, familiar with the word of God. The message is the same. Praise God. Everybody say, we need the word of God. I want you to hear me today as I preach, though it was penned by human beings, every word of the Bible, say every word, every word of the Bible was written under God's divine inspiration, his divine anointing, and his divine direction. Praise God. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. One version of, the, of that passage says, every word of God is as though God is breathing upon us. Every word of God is God breathed. Every word of that Bible is from heaven. It is from God. He is the author. He used people to write it, but he is the author. It is the breath of God. God. It is the word of God. It was his contemporary Peter that declared it clearly in 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1, no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Is it not amazing to you, brothers and sisters and friends, on this Sunday morning that a man could be on a hillside 
and the spirit of the living God overshadow him and say, pick up that pen or, 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 or say this to somebody so they can record it somewhere. And maybe it was on a skin or papyrus or some sort of parchment that was so foreign to what we think. But isn't it amazing that hundreds and thousands of years ago, the spirit of God could speak and overshadow and impress a man to begin to write down words. And now we, all these years later, can open up what God said to that man on that hillside and find strength for the journey and direction for our soul and encouragement when we are downtrodden and the lifting of our head as the psalmist said. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God can allow people to go through situations and say, write that down. Because I'm going to have somebody in 2023 who's going to go through a similar situation. And I need them to know there's hope. It's not over yet. The final chapter hasn't been written yet. I need, to, I need to make sure they know this in Cabot in 2023. Isn't it amazing that God could allow people's lives to intersect and, and the word of God to be formed and fashioned so that you and I can hold it in our hands on a Sunday morning? We need the word of God. The Bible is very important this morning because it is absolute truth. It is reliable and it is dependable. Listen, brothers and sisters, we can have total confidence and trust in the word of God. It's the psalmist that declared it in the 119th Psalm. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And now lest I be mistaken, and lest you hear something that I'm not saying, I do not believe that this book is 95% true. I do not believe that this book is two-thirds true. I believe that every word in this Bible is true. Why? Because the Bible proves itself. The psalmist said the entirety of your word is truth. Every part of it, every word of it is true. Paul told the Thessalonians in chapter 2 of his first letter, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. We need the word of God because the word is true. Yeah. Amen. I'm preaching to some people here right now. If we really let ourselves, we can become highly discouraged today. If we bank all of our emotions on what is being promoted to us in the media today. Anybody tired of saying, I wonder if anything is true anymore? I wonder if anybody's telling the truth anymore. I wonder if any politician is telling the truth. You bet, might be waiting for a while on that one. I wonder if anybody's going to tell the truth. Can I tell you something? That's when we need to shut off the media, shut off the voices of this world, open up this Bible and say, Lord, I'm tired of hearing what's not true. I'm going to focus on your word. I'm going to get in your word because every word in that Bible is true. Every chapter in that Bible is true. Every verse in that Bible is true. Every story in that Bible is true. The entirety of your word is true truth. Everybody say, we need the Word of God. 
We need the Word of God. The Bible is so crucially important to us today because it is unchanging, it is eternal, and it is everlasting. It just keeps going. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. You're just going to have to pardon me for a minute. I'm just eaten up by the word today. There's something about that Bible. There's anybody in here, you're banking your whole life on that Bible. Anybody in here, you're banking your whole religious experience on that Bible. Anybody in here say, I stepped out into an aisle a minute ago and I lifted up my hands and let somebody lay hands on me because I believe that Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There are people in this house right now that you've been waving your hands in worship. Why? Because the Bible says I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. There are some that have been dancing in the aisle and rejoicing in the... Why do we do that? Because the Bible says to dance before the Lord and lift up our voice and shout with a voice of triumph. It's everlasting. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Jesus declared it, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Peter said the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. We need the word of God because it is unchanging. It is eternal and it is everlasting. Nudge somebody right now and say point number four. If you're new to our church, you know how unusual. I get people all the Some of you are saying, we're on extra time right now. The Bible is important because it gives us answers and instructions for the issues of my life. The Bible tells me that I need a Savior because Paul told the Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells me that God's love is revealed for a lost world. When Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible shows me that God has a plan for saving the world. Jesus said, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. God's got a plan because his word has answers. And his word has instructions. He has instruction for us today on how to live. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to 
the Lord. There is instruction and guidance and direction found in the word. Found in the word. Now, lest you think that I'm just preaching something I think, I know that this is true. Early in January, my wife and I went away to celebrate her birthday, and we were in downtown New York City, a lot of people there. I got up early one morning, and I went across the street to Starbucks. It's a good way to start a day. And I sat down in the Starbucks, and I opened up my Bible, and it was as though the Lord, through the Bible, funneled everything in my life that I was thinking down to one chapter. And he gave me a little nudge. He said, I need you to open up your Bible. I need you to go to the book of Psalms. I need you to go to the fifth Psalm. And I need you to start reading. And so surrounded by millions of people, the Bible became real to me again. The Bible gave instruction to me again. The Bible gave encouragement to me again. Isn't it amazing that God knows where we're at and he can say in the midst of wherever we're at, go to my word. My word will provide direction. My word will provide lifting. My word will provide redemption. We need the word of God. When I had just started preaching many years ago, I traveled one summer with a friend of mine, and we evangelized and traveled to different churches. And uh, I was a sophomore in college. And so we uh, had kind of charted a course, and pastors in churches around the country were so kind to open up their pulpits and allow a couple of young preachers to come and minister. And we were in about the second week of our journey and I had gone to school in California, so we started obviously in Central California and started working our way up the coast. And we came to the city of Puyallup, Washington. Do, and I know Sarah knows where this is. Anybody know where Puyallup, Washington is? Would you wave at me if you know where Puyallup? Anybody ever heard of Seattle? <laughs> so if you know where Seattle's at, Puyallup is just a suburb of Seattle. And uh, we were preaching. The pastor was a, a dear elder. His name was Charlie Moses Yaden. And he was so kind to open up his pulpit. And we were getting ready to preach the following evening. And I went to bed that night. And I had a dream. And I, I'm, I, I preached a little bit about this uh, a few weeks ago. I, I'm not one that has... Uh, overly spiritual dreams all the time. I know some have dreams that the Lord speaks to you maybe far more often than I do. But this particular uh, evening, I went to sleep and I, I dreamed a dream. And let me give you a quick little rundown of what the dream was. Now, you have to understand, this is from the context of a young minister who is just starting preaching. And when the dream started, I was in a vehicle and I was driving to what I gathered quickly was a church service and it was being held in a very large a very large conference center type room and uh, we pulled up to the back of what was the conference center 
And uh, I noticed by just looking at my watch that, that I was late. And I don't like that. I know some of you, that doesn't bother you, but that bothers me. I don't like being late. I told somebody I'd rather be two hours early than one minute late. And so it already was off to a bad start in this dream. It's, it's, it's late. I, I'm, I'm coming into the service late. And, and I came up through the back way of the, of the platform of this conference center, and, and the service is going on. And as far as I could see, there are people filling this conference. I mean, just jam-packed. And so I took my place where they told me to sit on the platform, and we went through the service. And they got ready to turn the service over to me to preach, and they said, Brother Gaddy is coming to preach right now. And in my dream, I saw myself just kind of walk up to a, a pulpit that was not altogether different than this. And... Um, some of you know this is true, but there are certain mechanics to preaching. Like you will notice right now, I'm not going to even touch anything on the pulpit, but you'll notice right now, if you were to come up from my vantage point right now, there is an iPad here, and there is my Bible here, and there are my reading glasses here, and there is a used handkerchief right here. So there is a certain flow to setting things up. Are you with me right now? I'm not meaning to be weird, but just like you have on your job, there's a certain way that preachers do things. Um, and so when I got up to this pulpit in the dream, I'll just show you. Brother Gaddy's coming to preach. I'm sorry. Let's all clap our hands for a moment. See, I just helped somebody right there. You've always wondered, do preachers do that just so they can take a drink? Yes. When I lifted my head after doing all of that, there wasn't one person in the conference center. <laughs> Every person had left. And I woke up. Now, if you thought the dream was bad when I found out that I was late to the service, just wait for me to wake up and that reality be in my mind. And while I was sitting there wide awake on the edge of the bed, contemplating what the meaning of that dream was, it was as clear 
as I've ever heard God's voice. And here's what he said to me. That is what you can do. Now, if you thought that was bad when I was late to the convention center, and then when I woke up from the dream, wait till God lays that on me. That is what all the mechanics, all the processes, all the setup. Are those things bad? No. But they're temporal. It's as if God showed up in Puyallup, Washington and said, Tim Gaddy, if you think that the mechanics are going to change lives, you are so mistaken. Because it is not the mechanics. It is not the homiletical structure. You need to have good mechanics and good homiletical structure. But that is not the thing that changes people's lives. It is when a preacher, a teacher, a mama, a daddy, a child, a teenager, a young adult, an elder, no matter where they are in their life, says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to lean on my flesh. I'm not going to lean on my process. I'm not going to lean on mechanics. I'm going to open up the Word of God. And I'm going to see what does God have to say about this? What is God declaring in my spirit today? What is God saying about my life? What is God saying about my health? What is God declaring? There's something about that Word. It knows how to work. Work. It's like the seed that gets in the ground. Everything for the harvest is already in that seed. We need the Word of God. Stand with me if you would, please. I need His Word. I need His Word. If you have an actual Bible with you, or maybe it's a tablet or even your phone, I'm going to ask you not to use that for anything other than just hold it in your hand right now, representative of, of the Word of God. We need it. We need it. I wish you'd just... Close your eyes with me right now and consider what's being held in your hand right now. Again, the analogy of, of the Bible, if it's on your phone or your tablet, maybe you're holding a Bible. You are holding the most precious thing in all the world. This is God's word to us today, friends. This is God's word for us, families. This is God's word for us, preachers. This is God's word for us. We need the word of God. 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 Come on, when we walk in hospital rooms and we pray over people who are sick, we don't need our editorial about their sickness. We don't even need the doctor's diagnosis. We need the word of God that says, by his stripes we are healed. And these signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
Come on, those that are weary in your body today, those that are feeling worn in your spirit today, those that are downcast, I've come alongside of us today and I'm trying to preach the word of God. I'm trying to say to us, as the psalmist said, he will be the lifter of our head. He will be the lifter of our head. His word declares that. When my heart is overwhelmed, the psalmist said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. We need the word of God. God, we need his word. Come on, would you just pray that to the Lord right now? God, I need your word today. I need your word today. I want to be accountable to your word today, God. Get it in my spirit today, Lord. Let me live by it. Let it be in my mind. Let it be in my thoughts. Let it be in every part of my day. Let it be in my children. Let it be in my marriage, God. Let your word be the thing that guides us and directs us and orders our step. Let the word of God dwell in our hearts richly. Come on, it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's something about his word. We need the word of God. We need your word, Lord. We need your word, Lord. We need your word, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Some of you here in this room right now, you remember the days if you grew up going to a church where they would have this wonderful thing called sword drills. How many of you ever were part of a sword drill? Just a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever been a part of a sword drill with a Bible that had the little tabs that told you the books of the Bible? Now, how many honest folks can say, when you get used to finding it without the tabs, you can do it quicker than finding it with the tabs. Ooh, I got a witness in the house on that right there. I remember going to youth camps and, Brother Nate, this was, this was what we did back in the dark ages when I went to youth camps. We'd have sword drills. And the camp principal would stand up and say, all right, everybody, here we go. Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 1, we'd start, I mean, it was like paper was flying across that tabernacle. And as soon as we got it, we'd stand up, hoping we were the first one to stand up. Some dingaling would stand up. He wouldn't even turn in his Bible. He'd just stand up and start quoting something. <laughs> Sit down. I am praying. Listen, I'm praying that the same spirit that was in sword drills will get in our hearts today. That when we face the realities of our life, we'll jump up and say, I gotta get in the word. I gotta find out what the word of God says. I need it, I can't rely on myself. I can't rely, listen, Tim Gaddy can't rely on my emotions. I can't rely upon my ideas. I gotta stay in the word of God. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you, if, if you're here and you would like to just signify that you're going to stay in the Word of God, or maybe you're going to get in the Word of God. Maybe this is new, but you feel a prompting today to, to explore the Word of God, explore this ex eternal, unchanging, powerful, instructive Word of God. And you want to signify that by just stepping out and coming for prayer here together. We'll join together for prayer right now. Would you just come from everywhere all around this room? If you're here and you want to just kind of have that relationship with the Bible, that relationship with the Bible that relationship with the Bible.
Praise God. Praise God. That relationship with the Bible. Praise God. The Word, the Word. We need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. How many think and believe you need the Word of God over your home? You need the Word of God over your family. I need it. I need it. Brody, I'm so proud of you, bro. Brody's brand new to our church, came with family. Thank you, Billy, for inviting your brother to come. Here's what I know about Brody. He's seeking to follow God's word through his life. We're proud of you, Brody. That's a way to live, man. That's a way to live. People like Sister Nancy Shirley here, who's she's been in the word longer than I've been alive. That doesn't mean she's old. That just means I'm young. But you know what this lady has in her? A lot of the Word of God. You ever talk to someone and when you're talking to them, they, it just, they can't help it. The Word just comes out. The Word just comes out. They start talking to you and before you know it, they're quoting Scripture. You know what that is? That's putting a lot of Word in our lives. That's putting a lot of Scriptures in our lives. We need that Word. Maybe your family's with you right now or loved ones that are near you. I wish you'd just kind of link up with them in prayer right now and say, God, we're going to look to your word. We're going to look to your word. We're going to look to your word. Come on, pray that with me right now. We're going to look to your word, Lord.